chippiness was a little bit of the theme at day two of Broncos mandatory minicamp, but the defense responded in a big way after the offense had a big day on Tuesday. You get all the recap from day two of Broncos mandatory minicamp and more on today's brand new episode of Locked on Broncos. You are locked on Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Broncos country? Welcome into a brand new episode of Locked On Broncos, your daily Denver Broncos podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much to everybody in Broncos country for tuning in, making us your first listen of the day every single day. And a special shout out to all the everydayers out there. Make sure you subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss out on a day's worth of Broncos news, content, coverage, and more. Lockdown Broncos is the place to be when you want up-to-date, objective coverage of all things orange and blue. I'm your host, as always, Cody Rourke, Broncos reporter for Mile High Sports. Joined alongside, as always, by my co-host, Sarah Bettinger, Cy Expert, predominantly orange. Com. Now, while we're going to dive deep into mandatory minicamp day two in Dub Valley from Wednesday, we'll give the recap. We'll talk about the key storylines. I, I really wanted to open up this episode of the show here today. I received a message on social media, the son of an avid listener of the show and, and from Justin. Uh, Justin Van Est reached out to me and he informed me the sad news that a longtime listener of this show and someone who interacted a lot with this podcast Rick Van Est sadly passed away last Thursday, and so we just want to dedicate this episode to Rick, who committed so much time, effort, and energy to listening to us here on wherever you get your podcast or watch this on YouTube and comped it all the time, all the way from Oklahoma. So our thoughts, our prayers, and condolences go out to the Van Est family, obviously on the passing of Rick Van Est, who is a lifelong Broncos fan. And just, you know, I, I always want to reiterate how much Sarah Broncos country is a part of this show. They, they make the show exactly what it is. We do this show for them. We don't do this just to hear ourselves talk. This is for Broncos country. And, and look, we've developed some really good bonds with people who listen to this podcast, who watch us, whether you know it's in, in the comments or on social media, and, and having a chance to even meet some people that listen as well. It means the world to me that people actually take time to listen or to watch us. And so a very, very special shout out to Rick and his family. We're very sorry for your loss, and we appreciate all the times you've interacted and made us part of your day every single day. But, Sarah, you know, let's dive into some OTA conversation, mandatory minicamp here. Sarah, yesterday's episode of the show, for those who are everydayers, the offense was a little crisp. It was moving. Albert O was making some plays. But, uh, you know, on Wednesday's practice at the Centura Training Center in Dove Valley, the Broncos defense came out with some high intensity on the day and they were making plays on the football, whether it was deflections, whether it was some tip passes, whether it was knocking a ball away last second, the Broncos defense, they came out and they took Tuesday's practice a little personal. They, they're going to have to do that, right? Because you know what? I think under Sean Payton, the offense is going to win some days at practice there, Cody. And it's going to be opportunities for not just the players, but for Vance Joseph to get better. I know we're going to talk about him a little bit later on, but something that he said speaks to what you're saying, right? It's like there's a lot of film out there on Vance Joseph's defense. So like part of this installation process, part of every practice is going to be an offensive mind like Sean Payton attacking his defense, attacking his weaknesses and uh, even attacking his strengths and being like, look, here's what I have to counter even what you view as a strength. What are you going to do about it? A lot of people worried about this, you know, the defense with Ezero Evero leaving, going to Carolina and then Vic Fangio leaving the year before that. And it's like, how are the Broncos going to consistently keep this level of play defensively 
especially now with Vance Joseph coming in, who, hey, last time he was here, kind of left a bitter taste in a lot of people's mouths. And not everybody in Broncos country been the biggest fan of Vance as a defensive coordinator in the NFL. So I think these little things, these little nuggets that we get about even the defense playing well at an OTA, coming and responding after the offense looked crisp on a day, it's a huge and positive update for everyone in Broncos country because it means so much more than the defense is having a good day. It means that Vance Joseph is adjusting. It means the players are adjusting and not just adjusting to, uh, you know, learning something, but like adjusting to good offense. They're, they're understanding how to defend one of the better play callers in recent NFL history. Well, it's not just the the starters, the projected starters we have in our minds that are making plays. I mean, heck, undrafted rookie free agent Seth Benson made a tremendous play. I can't go into quite detail on that, but let's just say he came away with the football in one aspect uh, as the Broncos were going through some of their team period. But really, in everything that they're doing, we continue to talk about the importance of this, and Sean Payton really wants to drive the, the point home. Everything that they do on you know in team period, group period, individual, there's a strong purpose behind it. There's something that... There's a reason why we're doing this, and here's how it can translate into a real game situation. They worked a lot on third down, some fourth down situations, and they worked with a lot of pressure. You know, I think that was also another emphasis. Sean Payton wanted to see how the offense responds to pressure ultimately there. And look, Justin Simmons looks really dang good. But it's crazy how everything kind of comes back around full circle, right? Because when Vance Joseph was the head coach here with the Broncos, Justin Simmons was on the roster. Josie Jewell was on the roster. Cortland Sutton was on the roster. But in terms of from the defensive standpoint and where and where we're going to go with this, Justin was a different player when Vance was here versus who he is now. He's grown. He's evolved. He's become a, a guy with a major voice that carries a lot of weight inside that locker room. But he's also playing at the highest level possible right now, which is a great sign of, hey, the Broncos – they got it right with Justin Simmons. Obviously, we all know and love Justin. Fans love Justin, what he's been able to do. But it's just crazy seeing how everything's coming full circle. And now Vance, you know, even talked about it as well, that he's, you know, carrying over a little bit about what they were able to do really well last year. And he didn't want to get away from what was working last year. But it's about maybe incorporating that into maybe what he wants to do and finding common ground. That's what good coaches do. And obviously, we'll talk a little bit more about Vance later on here in the show in terms of maybe his takeaways on coming back to Denver because, hey, we got to speak to him for the first time since he was hired. And it's been a long time since he was hired, Sarah. And obviously, Sean Payton talked about the amount of respect he has for Vance. We'll dive deeper that on uh, Lockdown Broncos a little bit later on here today. But I, I want to continue to talk about a guy who has stood out in a massive way from organized team activities to mandatory minicamp. There's one day left on Thursday, and then they're off until training camp. But Jonathan Cooper has done a tremendous job filling in really for Baron Browning here, opposite of Randy Gregory. I asked Sean Payton during practice on Wednesday, just his overall thoughts and impressions. And, you know, he talked about him and talked about the dynamic about being able to evaluate guys when they're in pads versus right now. Look, there's not a lot of contact that's allowed that's permitted, but he did say something very interesting there in terms of Jonathan Cooper. He said, Cooper is important for what the Broncos want to do. So, there is going to be an expanded role for him. And I tell you what, he's been the consistent playmaker on the defensive side of the ball all throughout this offseason phase. And that's huge, right? Especially given the recent injury or kind of recovery process surgery for Baron Browning. You need Jonathan Cooper 
to really step up, especially if the Broncos aren't going to go out and add even more beyond Frank Clark off the edge, right? And we know now, I guess it's kind of still a little bit in question. Is he a D end? Is he playing the <laughs> outside linebacker? What is he going to actually end up being? So we'll, we'll see. But regardless, it really doesn't matter because you have a guy like Jonathan Cooper stepping up. You know that you can count on him to play a big role. And I think that's humongous going into year three, for him and gosh, you'll get Baron Browning back at some point, but Jonathan Cooper, just like anyone else in that edge group needs a breakout year. And I think Cody, I think we're poised to see it. We'll, we'll continue to talk about it and we'll be able to point back in September, we'll be able to point back to conversations we had in May and June about Cooper changing numbers and becoming agent zero and all these different things about how that was kind of the beginning of his breakout year for the Denver Broncos. And I believe we're going to see it. I think he is really poised to step up in a big way well, we'll continue to dive through day two of mandatory minicamp what happened at practice why does sean payton continue to emphasize the little details that make up the bigger picture you'll get that on today's episode locked on broncos this episode of the show is brought to you by our friends over there FanDuel sportsbook make your way to FanDuel because right now new customers they can get a no sweat first bet up to two thousand five hundred dollars that's two thousand five hundred dollars back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Now, as it pertains to the Denver Broncos, one thing you can take a look at over at FanDuel Sportsbook is the odds for Russell Wilson on maybe winning comeback player of the year this upcoming season. Obviously, bouncing back from a disastrous year. I saw him throw 16 touchdowns to 11 interceptions, a career low in touchdown passes, but ultimately, Russ did not look like Russ. Can he bounce back? Can Sean Payton help him get to where he needs to be to turn things around? And if that happens, Right now, he currently has the fourth best odds. He's tied for the fourth best odds to win comeback player of the year at plus 2,500. Obviously, the favorite is going to be DeMar Hamlin of the Buffalo Bills. Surprising that Lamar Jackson came in as second here in terms of comeback player of the year odds. And then you have some other players like John Mechie III with the Houston Texans and Cooper Cup right there with a guy like Russell Wilson. So can Russ turn things around and bounce things back? Make sure if you believe in that, you believe Russ can turn around FanDuel Sportsbook, they have the action for you over there where you can put some money on that. There's no better place to bet all the action than America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NFL. Sean Payton's got us asking, should we make death by inches great again, Cody? I think that's a, a question as we talk about situational awareness, as we talk about the, the details being so important. I love hearing him talk about these kind of things after practice because it, it gives me a lot of insight. You know, when we, we hear these headlines or we read these headlines about the NFL changing kickoff rules, it, it can be so easy to just kind of pick a side one way or the other and say, well, I hate that because, or I love that because. And I think that the, there's something deeper beyond that, which Sean Payton got into after practice as he's talking about this new rule and all these other different ways that the Broncos are approaching details, situational awareness, practicing these particular situations, which has led to some crazy stuff like Pat Sertan fielding punts. And I heard it compared after practice, uh, the special teams coordinator, Ben Kotwika actually compared that to a fake punt. So don't get any ideas, people. Like we have the special teams coordinator saying that Pat Sertan fielding a punt in practice is like practicing a fake punt. But it's situations that, that may come up over the course of a season that, yeah, there may be a low percentage of something happening, but you got to be prepared if that low percentage thing does happen because that can be the difference between winning or losing games. 
what was your takeaway from Sean talking about these situations and, and situational awareness and what, what's kind of the vibe you're getting? Because I know he had a lot of great things to say and we could unpack them all day, but there's certain, I think just kind of baseline stuff that, that the listeners will want to know about and, and maybe have articulated from the football side of things. Well, even just watching them put some of these emphasis into practice, right? Cause you know, the new kickoff rule for those of you that may not know, if, if, if a kickoff team kicks the ball and let's say they want to try to pin you within the, you know, the 10 yard, they want to force you to return the ball from the five or maybe even the two yard line. As we've seen, that was all the Broncos storylines last year in terms of special teams. They were trying to kick it short to force a return because Denver didn't have a very good blocking scheme to set up the return. Well, now if you kick the ball and it's anywhere in play before going out of the back of the end zone, a returner could simply fair catch it at the one yard line, build that fair catch ball essentially and then it's dead there the ball moves to the 25 yard line this is a rule i i didn't think about and i i'm kicking myself over it because it makes sense now you know how many times we've seen some situations where there was like a squib kick or there was a kick that was going toward the sideline and the returners a little hesitant on do i pick this up or is this going out of bounds well now there's this emphasis now that i think it's going to be a little bit more of a strategy by kickers by opposing teams and Sean Payton talked about it, where in situations because of this new rule, well, let's kick it towards the sideline. and Or if someone's going to kick it towards the sideline against us, we really want to practice being able to get our toes out of bounds, right? Being out of bounds and then touching the ball because at that point, it becomes a penalty on the kicking team. It automatically, even if it's at the 10-yard line, it automatically moves the ball up to the 40-yard line, and that's great field position. So it's practicing those things that maybe you don't think about. There's even some other things, too, like what do we do in a situation we're backed up on our own, you know, and we're set to punt. We're back. We're on the one-yard line, but we're backed up. How do we protect? What is our emphasis? What is our, What are our landmarks in terms of protecting our punter from an all-out blitz that could potentially lead to a safety or a touchdown if it is blocked? They work on all these situations. And to that point that you mentioned about Patrick Sertan, I know some Broncos fans out there were like, Sertan return to punts? Yes, I don't want to see that happen. I, I And here's the emphasis. And I'm glad that Kadwika mentioned that in his press conference today, that it's like practicing a fake field goal or a fake punt. You need to be able to do it just in case it happens. And Peyton, the point that he was trying to make with it overall it's not that Sertan is going to be returning punts this season, but let's say their number one return option goes down. Can he do it? Can he just go in there? You need a guy to just field it. Sertan can go and do that, right? Remember Emmanuel Sanders used to do that in emergency situations. That's essentially what this is. It's not that, hey, Sertan is just going to be this guy that's going to go back and return punts no matter what. It's conditional based on, hey, if this happens, we already have a guy in place that we already know can do this role for us. To me, that's thinking ahead because Remember last year, Sarah, last game of the regular season, the Broncos didn't have a return option because Kendall was hurt. They had some other guys hurt, and they had to put Brandon Johnson back there to return the punt. And what did he do? He muffed it because he's never practiced it before. He was put in a situation that he had never been in before, and it ultimately almost led to a Chargers comeback when Denver ideally should have probably blown them out in that game. That's not on Brandon Johnson, but that was also a coaching error. Sean Payton wants to avoid those things, and that's what they're doing. They're taking the steps to make contingency plans way ahead of the game, which to me, that is a sign of great coaching. It is Cody. And they talked about that as well. Like I think, I think somebody has been asked it, whether Sean Payton or now the coordinators, like in every press conference that we've had, almost every press conference so th- that they've had the availability asking about culture, asking about the, like what makes Sean Payton a great leader. 
it's it's a deep question that we could do an entire podcast on like three reasons why Sean Payton is a great leader, or we could we could make it five, we could make it ten. I mean, there you go for you every has, day or is what to look forward to. Look forward to that because I think it's it, it does speak to you can just you you pick up on it immediately. But one of the the main things that makes Sean Payton a great leader is that he cares about the details, right? He cares about the little things. It's it's he's not above those. He, he's not above teaching these little things, even though it's you know it may seem so minuscule. It may seem almost like ridiculous to people who hear these this update. Like Pat Sertan is fielding punts at practice. Like what is Sean Payton doing? <laughs> Actually, he's thinking big brain, like he's thinking well down the line. And really, it, it I hate to even say it this way, Cody, because and I think we be, we may have even brought this up before. You hate to put it this way, but it, it really feels like there's an adult in the room now and, and leading this organization. Like you've had all these first year head coaches who that brings optimism in and of itself. It's like maybe it could work out. Maybe it could go great. Now you have a guy who's done it at a high level for 15 years and he knows what makes a successful team two times in his entire career. He's had an offense outside the top 10. That's insane. How does that happen? You practice situational football. You care about every detail. You have a plan for every situation. You, you're not caught off guard by anything. Those those types of things, the, the 63.1 winning percentage, top 23 all time doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen because you have Drew Brees at quarterback. It doesn't happen because of X, Y, or Z players, you know, or or otherwise. It happens because you practice the details. You practice all these things in advance. You know what situations are coming up, and when they do, your team is ready when another team might not be. And those are the little advantages that lead to wins over time. And those wins over time, they add up. It compounds into playoffs and the, that could lead to who knows where. So I love that they're focusing on this stuff and I love that it's getting brought up because it emphasizes just how good of a leader the Broncos do have in place. And I'll say this as well. And I don't want to make like a direct comparison, but in terms of the way that Sean Payton thinks about the game, I mean, Sarah it reminds me so much of the way that Shanahan has always looked at the game, right? When he was coaching, what was one thing that he Shanahan was always raved about? He was always one step ahead of whoever he was going against. Remember in the Super Bowl two against the Atlanta Falcons, he said, hey, this is going to be a touchdown right here. Well, like two plays before him, he said, hey, we're going to go to this play. This is going to be a touchdown. Rod's going to be wide open. Sure enough, Rod was wide open. It was a touchdown. The, the way that you can see the game, I mean, Sean Payton, the way he teaches, well, I can't go into detail, but I, I watched him do something with the Broncos defense in the secondary in terms of what he was talking about and getting them to see some things from a perspective from the offensive mind and how they want to attack a defense. It really just goes to show like this guy, he knows football. He loves football. Football is who he is. And I tell you what, I think that's good news for the Denver Broncos this upcoming season. But we have some other Broncos news and notes from day two of mandatory minicamp out there at the Centura Training Center in Dove Valley, including an update on a potential injury to a key player the Broncos added in the offseason. We'll dive deep into that and much more in today's episode, Locked on Broncos. Real quick, go check out the Locked on Nuggets podcast. It's championship week, or it could be championship month for the next month and a half years. The Broncos get ready for training camp. Locked on Nuggets is going to have you covered. There's a parade in Denver on Thursday to celebrate the Denver Nuggets 2023 NBA championship victory. Be part of it. Be part of the community over there at Locked on Nuggets, hosted by Adam Adams and Matt Moore. You can get that podcast wherever you get your podcast in audio format, or you can watch on YouTube. 
Some Broncos news and notes from day two of mandatory minicamp as the team has one final minicamp practice before they are off until training camp. You know what that means, Broncos country? Broncos football is one step closer to being here, and Locked On Broncos is your daily go-to for all the local coverage you need of what's going on at practice, what's going on behind the scenes, what's going on at games. You get that here, all without the hot takes, all without the clickbait. You just get legitimate Broncos talk. We appreciate you so much, Broncos country, for making us part of your day every single day. This show is for you. It is by you. It is for you and from you. Thank you so much for making us part of your routine. It means the world to us here as Sarah and I continue to do the show here. Going into some Broncos news and notes here, though, Sarah, from practice, there was a little bit of chippiness as we talked about overall, but Sean Payton talked about how important it is that you know you can get as close to the line as possible regarding you know the chippiness, but don't go over that line. Don't cross that line, especially when it translates into being on the field. Look, the Broncos last year, one of the most penalized teams, one of the most undisciplined teams, he really wants to change that. But in terms of the chippiness, you know, guys, John, back and forth on offense and defense, it's normal. It's expected. But don't go too far. Don't cross that line there. And nothing bad really happened, I want to say, from that, because I know a lot of people are going to hear chippiness. They're going to hear a skirmish, whatever it may be. It wasn't anything bad. But, you know, it's, emotions are high. It's in a high-intensity game. But Samaje P. Ryan came out of one play, and he was holding his his hand. And Sean Payton told us after practice, because we asked him about it, he said that the trainer said it was a thumb. They're just being smart with it. But he believes that P. Ryan will be fine. Collectively at that point, you know, when you do see a running back go down with that type of injury, especially on a hand where he has to carry the football, you start to be like, oh, no, this isn't good. Luckily, Denver's got some good depth right now behind them. But P. Ryan is going to be fine, according to Peyton. So, hey, knock on wood, let's hope that continues. And obviously, we'll look to see if he's out there doing anything on Thursday in Dove Valley. P. Ryan will be fine. I, uh, that, <laughs> hey, I'm with it. You know, <laughs> it does get those gears turning in my brain, Cody, the, the Madden franchise mode brain of, hey, who's out there in free agency? Oh, <laughs> by the way, there's a bunch of guys who are out there in free agency. So it gets the gears turning. I'm sure some of you listening will We'll comment your thoughts on that, and we'll see what happens, I guess. We'll see how uh, genuine Sean was being about whether or not he'll be fine. We know he doesn't like to really give injury updates, and so we'll see what happens, Cody. But I think it's it, it, really what my main takeaway after. I, obviously, I don't get to be at practice. You live in Denver. I don't. I get to see the stuff after practice and and hear from the coaches and things like that. I found it very interesting to see Vance Joseph back there, you know, wearing the Broncos gear, hearing his, you know, he's, he's got such a, such a, like he stays like he never gets up here with his vocals. You know, he's kind of just always, always, always right down here. You know, he's just talking in this volume and and he talks that way and you're, and, and it all, it just comes all screaming back into my memory after all the press conferences, seeing him in Denver as the head coach, I, I am impressed, Cody. I really am. I think it takes a lot of humility to come out there and say the things that he said. Um, one of the things that really stood out to me in particular, he was asked, you know, what it's like coming back. And, and I, I want to pull up the quote from him, Cody, because I, I want to do it justice. He, he was talking about the fact that, like, look, like he, he understands that the NFL is a business, right? He understands that it's it's something that, like, you're expected to win. And when you don't win, even if you work your butt off, like he said, I worked my butt off to do it and it didn't did. happen. And, and so there's no ill will. And, and I think that that's, that's such a, a humble way to approach your job. Like how, how often does it feel like bridges are burned 
in pro sports especially, but really in any organization where something like what happened to Vance Joseph, especially the way that fans perceive him, for him to be able to come back and say, look, like we didn't win. That was what I was hired to do is win. We didn't win. I totally get it. And and now I'm back and I love it. He even called it home, right? So it's just, I, I loved hearing that. And I, I wonder what your perspective was or what the, the rest of the media scrum had to say after he took the podium because I thought that was just, uh, I, my hat's off to Vance Joseph. I normally wear a hat on this show. My hat is <laughs> off today for Vance Joseph and the way that he approached his press conference. Yeah, you know, Vance, very soft-spoken as always. You know, when I first got my credential to cover the Broncos, Vance was the head coach, and I, I, same exact tone. I, a high-energy guy, players love him. Very adaptable. And, and look, I think in his experience as well, he understands how tough it is and the demand that coaching really is. And so obviously he spent the last four years in Arizona. There are a variety of circumstances there. I mean, the Arizona defense was playing pretty damn good football at one point to where Vance's name started popping up once again in head coaching searches. But then this last season injuries and obviously how poor the Cardinals offense struggled. It put the defense in some rough positions. They lost some key guys back there. They, you know, they had some inconsistent moments where JJ Watt was maybe out. They, you know, Buddha Baker missed some time. Byron Murphy missed some time for them this past season. But he never used that as an excuse. He always attacked it. And I, I think we really got another insight into Vance as the coach, some of the stuff we don't normally get to see and that HBO hard knocks in season stuff there with the Arizona Cardinals. If you haven't seen that, go make sure you go check that out just to see the storylines, how everything plays out. Vance is very reflective. And I think that that comes with maturity that comes with, as he had talked about, you know, not having an ego in a sense, like there's times where you should have an ego, but he said in this instance, you know, there was no ego involved. And even Sean Payton said, I didn't even give it any thought that he used to be the head coach here. He's just a guy that I have so much respect for. We've talked after games. They've played each other, I think seven times throughout the course of, uh, you know, when, when Joseph was a DC. So all those things really matter. I, I did ask Vance a question though about Christian Parker, who obviously I got to chat with him a little bit after practice as well. Unfortunately, didn't get any video on that. Uh, but overall, about the accelerator program, he's perceived as a rising star in the coaching ranks. It was interesting that Vance Joseph himself said CP's a star and the way that he communicates, the way he teaches guys, you can see that. And so for him, Vance is a guy who loves coaching the secondary. He's very hands-on. That, that was his forte. He, he did it at a high level for, for quite some time, which led to him getting a defensive coordinator job, which led to him becoming a head coach, which led to him now obviously still staying at D.C., but coming back to Denver, he raved about Christian Parker, who you and I and everybody in Broncos country have absolutely raved about as well. I think that's always important to note uh, overall. But, man, look, I mean, this offseason program, Sarah, it has gone by quick. I mean, I, I thought like, oh, you know, it's going to take forever to get here. And then when it's going to get here, it's going to go too fast. It has gone too fast, but I feel like there's so much we've gained out of it in just terms of observation. This team is heading in a different direction. Will it ultimately lead to more wins than they had last year? We don't know yet. There, there's so many circumstances about the game of football that every part of it is so complex where you could have 10 things go right, but the one thing that goes wrong could set you back entirely. And Sean Payton wants to continue to emphasize how important it is to keep building and keep stacking on that, which to me, I just feel like Denver right now, and I can tell the fans this with certainty, I do feel like they're in a much better position right now in the hands of Sean Payton than they have been probably since Gary Kubiak. It's going to be a different brand of football, isn't it, in Denver? And just like you mentioned, there's a lot of similarities between 
Mike Shanahan and Sean Payton, obviously very much similarities between Gary Kubiak and Mike Shanahan. They're from that same, they were, they coached together for a long time. So it's, it really is that, that brand of football that it's not, it's not necessarily a specific scheme. I know we, we joke about this sometimes, like what, it's funny that people think, you know, there's a certain scheme that Sean Payton has to fit players into. No, he, he works his (laughs) scheme to the players and it's not the other way around. And so it's just these guys, like you said, they're they're two steps, ten steps ahead of everybody else. That's what you love about it, and, I, and this is when that happens. It's not during the game. It's not during the week of preparation for a game. It's in June, May and June, when OTAs, when you're running through this stuff. That's when you get ten steps ahead of everyone else, and you love to. I, I think it's just a very insightful day of press conferences, just hearing from these guys as leaders uh, in their life experience, their professional experience, Ben Kotwika talking about his military background and things. It's just so cool to hear, isn't it? I mean, go back and if you're listening to this podcast, you know, go listen to those, those press conferences, listen to these coaches. The Broncos have just a different breed out there. I feel like on the coaching staff than they've had any time since, like you said, Gary Kubiak. And we'll see. Can it translate to wins? That's what fans are going to judge everything on. But with Sean Payton, I feel like they're in good hands. They're going to face some adversity along the way. They're going to face challenges. But how does this team respond to that? And I think that maybe even last year, if Sean Payton and this staff were in Denver last year, I don't think Denver plays the way that they did. I don't think Russ plays the way that he did last year. So how big of a difference will it make this upcoming season? We'll have to wait to see their Broncos country, but there will be one more day of mandatory minicamp before players are off until training camp. We'll have you covered with all the recap from the final day of Broncos minicamp here, the Lockdown Broncos podcast for Friday's episode of the show on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And then we have a bunch of content coming right all throughout the month of June, heading into July, heading into training camp about training camp previews, every position, every position battle. You need to be aware of every major storyline we have our eyes on as the Broncos prepare for training camp and the NFL preseason. You're going to get all that here, Locked On Broncos. Thank you for making us part of your day every single day, Broncos country. We'll see you tomorrow for a brand new episode of the show.